Let's pray. Father, we thank you for preserving this word for us, written thousands of years ago. And today, God, we're opening it in this new year. We pray that it would be open fresh, God, that your Holy Spirit would be strong in this room, in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit, the author of this book, would help us to understand and hear what we need to hear. We pray that you would be our encourager today as we humble ourselves before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we go. Are you ready? We're going to be in the book of Exodus today and for the next uh, five weeks, all of January, basically. And we're going to kind of do an overview, but specifically look at two verses. So if you, want to, uh, if you have your Bibles here with you or at home, you open it to that, and we're going to get to that. When I was in high school, I was an honorary guy to my mom. Now, I was a good kid, but I liked to kind of mess with people, and specifically my mom. Because uh, she was maybe at sometimes a little scatterbrained, and that's why I come by it often. I come by it, you know, uh, true. I'm blonde, honestly. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, scatterbrained. I couldn't think of the word. Third service. So anyway, so I thought, I want to mess with her. So sometimes, like, I would go into her bathroom, and she'd have, like, toothpaste in this drawer, and her, you know, maybe makeup or brushes in this drawer. I'd pull the drawers out, switch them around. I just could not wait. It just made me laugh so hard. I couldn't wait till she got home, and she tried to figure this out. And would she tell me? Did she think she's going crazy? Then, like, we had this uh, split foyer house, and down here, like, in, in Illinois, we had what's called basements. We don't have basements here in Texas, yeah. So you come upstairs and landing upstairs, and on the wall were, like, this frames all these pictures, you know, of my childhood, my sister, my cousin. So what do I want to do? I want to take them all out and move them around. And that would take her longer to figure out, right? Take her maybe a couple weeks to figure out. And she's like, what? That doesn't, that, doesn't make, that doesn't look right. Well, one day I went to school, came back, and she was perturbed. She was pretty upset. And I couldn't figure out why is she upset with me? And this is why. She, in the pantry, and this is a picture very similar to what she saw, the milk, a whole, it was a brand new gallon, just, just opened, was in the pantry. She was like, what? This isn't funny. You wasted milk. It's not, you know, it's the principle of it. It's maybe two bucks, but it's the principle of it. And I'm like, mom, I didn't do that. And we finally figured out. We went and we opened the refrigerator and there's a box of Cheerios. (laughs) So what must have happened was, you know, you basically paint yourself into a corner because I'm doing all this stuff and you're like, yeah, this is not funny. You wasted milk. What happened was I was so preoccupied probably with something that day. Maybe it was a track meet or tests, or relationship, you name it. I was so preoccupied that I wasn't thinking about or focusing on what was important at hand, the milk spoiled. Now, that's not a big deal, but if you play that out in your life this year, that's a big deal. If you miss and you don't focus on what's at hand that you need to focus on, you will have a spoiled 2021, and you don't want that. That's why you're here. In fact, you woke up, you came to church because you're like, I hope this year's better than last year. Can I get an Amen. We don't do that in this church, but with last year, we do now. <laughs> Give me an amen. That's right. Amen, amen. This is going to be a better year. It is because you're here and you're opening God's word, and we are going to focus. As a staff, we prayed about this, and we thought, you know, the one thing we need to do is to focus on God, focus on his character, his goodness, and the truth of what he does and wants to do in our lives. In fact, Pastor Bill Johnson from California, don't hold that against him. Pastor Bill Johnson from California, he always says this, and I listen to his sermons, I love to listen to this guy. He says, that which you focus on, you will become most aware of. That which you focus on, you will become most aware of, good or bad. 
You go to Walmart, you realize, you know, you're wearing a mask because that's what you're supposed to do. You're a rule follower and all of a sudden these people aren't and you're getting so upset you want to go say something to them. And then what are you focusing on the rest of the time? Not if milk is on sale. You're, going to, you're like, look, at, they're, not, they're not wearing masks. They're not wearing masks. You get so focused on that and that's not helpful for you or your blood pressure or the people around you when you get home. That which you focus on, that's what you'll become most aware of. So the question has to be, what do you want to focus on this next year? Have you thought about that yet? Maybe some of you have. Some of you are like A players. You're like, I got resolutions. I know what I'm going to focus on. But I think the majority of us have not answered this question and we're three days in. What do I want to focus on? We can make it like last year, and I, would pres- I think I'm probably right on this, fear, anxiety, COVID, just to get your mind away from it all, you get obsessed with sports. Or maybe your answer would be God, specifically Jesus. Now, again, it's not diminishing the reality that fear, anxiety, COVID, all that stuff exists. We're still going to be, that's going to be around. But what do you want to be most aware of? What do you want to really focus on? In fact, another way to ask that question to, to see how God fits into this is to think, okay, in light of my experience in 2020, and I'm going to focus on God, in light of my experience in 2020, what do I think God is? Do I think he is one that just produces fear, anxiety, the COVID developer? What do I think, God, what do I think about God from my experience in 2020? Maybe you think he's good. Man, my family, they were healed, right? They haven't even had COVID. I got a good God. Think of, think of how internal that experience is because we have so many other people around us that are experiencing something maybe totally different. But you think, well, God is good. That's good because he is good. Or maybe you think God is a punishing God. I've heard this from, from some camps. They'll say, God is using COVID to punish the United States. God is punishing the world. God is doing it. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you think that, that this is a curse, a generational curse that's on people because you find that in certain parts of the Bible and, and you just pull that out and say, well, maybe that's what God's doing. Or maybe you look at God and say, out of all this fallen and brokenness that we experience in this world, God is loving. He's gracious. That's true. That's true. But what are you going to focus on? You've got to decide here. What are you going to focus on? Here's why it's important. J.J. Packer, he's a, a, a Christian apologetist. He's a, a wonderful pastor that wrote a lot of books. He's in heaven right now. Listen to what he said. I love this, this sentence from J.J. Packer. He says this. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems will fall into place under their own accord. Once you are aware that your main business here is to know God, the problems that we face, they're still there. They will fall into line under their own accord. They'll get in line. Think about this. The primary thing we need to do is to know who God is and know his character. Think of how much more you might know of COVID this last year than you know of God. 
And it's, and it's good. I mean, we need to research, right? We need to figure out, okay, do I wear a mask or not? Do I wear gloves or not? Do I wear gloves? I had 10 days, 14 days, you know, like everything's changing, the goalposts move. But how much research did you do on God last year? What about that just relational research? Say, God, okay, what you doing right here? How, how are we going together? What's going on? And, and if, if you miss that, it's a new year, a new start. Today's new year here. This is, this is a good start. So where do we start? I think we need to start where the Bible starts. Now, 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 why do we start in Exodus, like over halfway through the book of Exodus? Because this is where God starts. In fact, the video alluded to this. These two verses, these two verses in Exodus are the first time in the Bible that God gives a description of himself. All the way into the book of Exodus. In fact, these two verses are so important, especially to the, to the Old Testament Israelites, that this is the, these are the most quoted verses in different ways in the Old Testament. In fact, if this was the New Testament, it would be like John 3.16. Say, so some of you know John, like if you want to tell someone about Jesus, you're like, I don't know what to say, you get that, that go to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, you may have heard that one. If you were growing up in Old Testament times, you will have heard these, these verses. They're quoted in Psalms, in Proverbs, in Jonah, in Nahum, in, in short parts, in full, it's, it's quoted. So why are these two verses so important? Let me go ahead and do this. I'm, I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them together, and then I'm going to unpack the book of Exodus so you can understand the impact of, of what these verses are and why they are where they are. So here we go. Now listen, because the Hebrew writers, the Hebrew way of thinking, the Israelites, the Old Testament, sometimes they think a little differently than our Western way of thinking. I don't know if I would try to sell someone a car by using this order. Now listen. It says, and he, right, God passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We like that. That's a good start. If I were going to sell you a car, I'll tell you all the good things about it, would I then end by saying, but uh, <laughs> the maintenance is crazy on this car. <laughs> the tires are so-so. I mean, the battery only lasts about 30,000 miles. You want to buy it? Of course not. You don't, but, but listen, this is how they finish up. And, and hopefully this tension will grab you. You say, well, something's going on here. Here's what happens. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Do you want some? Let me tell you, you do. You do. This is all very good stuff. I'm going to tell you why I'm a little bit here. So what's happening in Exodus 34? Why does God all of a sudden decide I need to lay it out to them specifically who I am? Why? Okay. Some of you have been reading the Bible longer than I've been alive. Bless you. You probably know the Bible inside and out. There are some of you here with us today, you are checking Jesus out. You are kicking the tires. You're like, I don't know about this Jesus. I might want to follow him. We're so glad you're here as well. So if you look at the Bible, just an overview here, 66 books, Old Testament, 39 books. The first five books we call the Pentateuch, five, Pentateuch, one, two, three, four, five. The first five books we believe were written by a guy named Moses. 
He was a leader of the Israelites, Old Testament. He was one of God's servants, and we believe that he, after it was passed down orally, decided, I'm going to write, guided by the Holy Spirit, write these, these first five books. The first book is Genesis. Many people heard of Genesis. I mean, it's the beginning, right? Genesis has uh, the creation story, how we all got here, how the, the earth got here. And then it moves into a guy named Abraham eventually after Noah and Abraham and, and God decides to bless the world and the Savior is going to come through Abraham. So you got all the book of Genesis. Then in Genesis, it ends with this guy named Joseph and he's rising in the ranks in Egypt. He is, he is favored towards the end and, and the Israelites are all moving there. There's 70 of them. It's all good. And then we get this huge gap for over 400 years. Because the book of Exodus, what we're going to focus on now, the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus starts something like this. It says, uh, the Israelites had been in slavery for, I think it was like 470, 400, over 400 years. And there was a new, new Pharaoh leading who did not know Joseph. So we're missing some history here. Like almost a half a century. Something did not go well. Something did not go well. The God's promised people the people that he was making a covenant, a promise with, a relationship, where he says, I'm going to save the world through these people, eventually. They're in slavery. So this guy named Moses comes on the scene, and God calls Moses at 80 years old. Moses did his ministry from 80 to 120. Nobody's too old in here. 80 years old. 80 years old. And he says, Moses, I need you to go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. There's a back and forth kind of debating, arguing, uh, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. All this kind of stuff going on. There, there, and what happens is, finally, after nine plagues, God says on this last one, he says, I'm going to the, the, do the plague of death, Passover, and if you want to be saved, you literally have to take the blood of a lamb, put it over your door, Exodus chapter 12. This is where we get the connection with communion. Beautiful stuff here. Because we have the blood of Jesus that covers us. Okay, are you getting the connection here? It's, he's our Passover lamb. So it's, Exodus is huge. There's a lot of stuff that happened to them that happens to us today in a different form, communion. So God saves his people. Pharaoh's like, I'm done with you. Leave. Here's gold. Take it all. And maybe after you know, some more pondering, a little party, who knows what. He's like, wait, I just lost all my workers. So he's chasing them out to the Red Sea, Reed Sea, whatever you want to call it. And when they get there, they're like, oh no. And God splits the waters. Israelites go through, closes the waters, boom. Pharaoh, chariot, boom, everything's drowned, sunk. Then you move forward, and here's the crazy part. Basically, the rest of Exodus and all of the next couple books until Numbers chapter 10 is all of where the Israelites are doing a few things. They're wandering around. They're hanging around Mount Sinai. They're getting some, some details from God. But here's what happens. God will continually tell them, I want a relationship with you. I want a covenant. I want a marriage with you, basically. The Israelites will get excited about this. And then all of a sudden, they'll turn on God. They're like, wait, you didn't do it like we wanted. We're hungry. The food was better in Egypt. You're taking too long. Where's this Moses guy? And the cycle continues. In fact, in the book of Exodus, Moses goes up the mountain seven times. And in the middle, this is where we find him today. God had, had, had you know, given this, this promise that he said, hey, here's what, what I want with you guys or from you guys. And all the Israelites were like, yeah, sign us up. 
So Moses goes up the mountain to kind of seal the deal and says, hey God, they're in, they're excited. While Moses is up there, about 40 days, about halfway through some, some weeks, he's up there, they change their mind. They're like, hmm, where did this Moses go? It's been a few weeks, we're impatient. Does it sound familiar? And Aaron, one other leader, gets up, brother Moses, okay, take all this gold out of your ears. Earrings, let's make a golden calf. We're going to worship this. And I mean, it's a mess. They're just breaking the rules over and over. And so God, instead of giving up on his people that he loves, he tells Moses, I'm going to give you some detail here. This is who I am. And this is what you need to hear. And he gives us these two verses. I would, I would recommend that as we go through this, you memorize these two verses. Now, I, I understand as a leader that you, and a teacher, you never ask people to do something that you can't do or haven't done. So I'm like, okay, I memorize these. But here's the problem. I read things in different languages, like, you know, Yahweh, Lord, this and that. And sometimes they cross-pollinate. And so if you're going to ask me after church, like, hey, give me those two verses, I might give it to you, but then it like crosses into a different translation. So have grace on yourself when you try to memorize this. Just get it in your head, right? This happens to me on the creeds. If, if you're new here, we have two different creeds, the statements of faith, and the apostles, now I've been saying these for 30 years, and I still have to look at them because sometimes all of a sudden I go into the other one. That happens. Have grace on yourself, right? Try these two verses. Get them in your head. And here's what you're going to find out. I'm going to give you kind of a summary of the five major points that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. The first one is this. God is compassionate and gracious. We like that one. This reminds us of the New Testament when Jesus comes and gives us a further understanding of, of, this old te- of who God is. He shows us the compassion and love that God has, right? And Jesus, in, in John 11, when, in fact, when he sees uh, the death of Lazarus and everybody crying, he splagizomized, the Greek says. His gut kind of goes out to them. That's the compassion we're talking about here. God really, really cares for you. He really does. He has compassion for you when you're going through some hard times. And he is gracious. That means he gives you the benefit of the doubt. And even when you mess up, he gives you grace. He wants the Israelites to know this because they're messing up over and over. Sound familiar? And so then the next part, God is also slow to anger. Some of the translations will say long-suffering. Now, we might like this part, slow to anger, but if we think about it long enough, we're like, wait, God gets angry? I didn't have that mindset about my God. He gets angry. And Jesus, you're going to find out that Jesus shows us a lot of this stuff because Jesus is God. He's the son of God. So Jesus, when he comes to the temple, he realizes that they are defaming God's house. They're, you know, the money changers in the temple. He gets, he gets angry. He tosses the tables upside down, right? But God is slow to anger. What does that mean? You're going to have to come back. In fact, I think that you're going to have more questions today than you have answers when you leave here. And that's okay. This is a wrestle. This is a a tension to say, God, teach me who you are. God is abounding in steadfast love. That means he is just blossoming, filled with constant, steady love. That's good. We like that, don't we? Another one, God is faithful. Faithful to many generations. We like that. We would hope that God, I've brought my kids to church. They're not here anymore. We know that you're faithful. Please work in their hearts. I mean, you like this kind of stuff. I mean, we all do. We're like faithful to generations. But this last one kind of sums up that last half of verse 7. God is just. 
God is just. Does he actually punish children for parents' sins? You're going to have to come back and figure that out because it, it kind of seems like what it says, right? But there are times that you like justice. Think about when someone hurts you. They hurt your children. You got a bully at school. Someone did not keep their covenant vows with you. You want justice. God, give them what they deserve, right? We get like that. But then, like for the grace of God there, go, I, I don't do that to me, God. I want you to be loving and compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithful to generations. You see the tension here? Here's where we end up. We end up with this. To know God is one thing, but not enough. We need to know God in a way that we allow who he is to transform who we are. We need to know God well enough to allow who he is to transform who we are. Because if you're just scoring A's and you're studying just for knowledge, that's not what God had in mind. This is when in Exodus, he's like, Moses, I need you to tell the people, this is who I am. Because hopefully in our relationship, it will change who they are. Do you get that? So here's, here's a way of looking at all of this. When I was just out of seminary at my last church, I was a young pastor, had some smart elders there. One elder spent a lot of time thinking, very contemplative man. And he would tell me things, and I was young out of the seminary, I was always looking for false teachings. Like, oh, I don't know if he, ah, is, is he, is he right? And he would tell me things, and, and back then I was like, I don't know, but now I'm like, yeah, he was right. <laughs> Here's one of the things that he told me. He said, the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you want to know them, he's like, they're very much like a prism. Like a prism? What are you talking about? You see a prism, you know what a prism is. It's a translucent, clear thing. You can look at it, and when light goes through a prism, Depending on where you're standing, what angle you are, you might see a different light than the person next to you. You're going to see it depending on how you move it and where the light moves. He says, the Trinity is very much like that. And I thought, man, he's off his rocker, but here's what he said. You got God the Father, who is the creator and sustainer of life. You have God the Son, who is our Savior, the one that went to the cross to pay for our sins, to, to give us new hope, to give us life, to connect us with God the Father. And then you have God the Holy Spirit, who is the one that creates faith in us, the one that helps us to, to stay on track, to live a life that's pleasing to God, the one that, that, that gets us through this life. And here's what he says. When you look at the Trinity like a prism, you will see at that moment what you need to see. You will see that part of the Trinity, that characteristic, if you will, of God that you're needing at that moment. You might need some serious forgiveness and grace. You might need some serious justice. You might be so down that you're like, God, I need you to just lift me up and forgive me. But you might be so prideful that you need to have some knee pads brought out for you. Justice. And this is how God works. So here's the last two questions for you. First one is this. Which of these characteristics do you need to focus on today? It might be different by tonight. <laughs> It might be different tomorrow. Which one do you need to focus on? And a related question is this. Which will you reflect? Because there's so many people you're going to be seeing, this. they might be sitting right here, that they need to see forgiveness. They need to see grace. But they may need some justice too. They might need to be held accountable. Only God knows, but he knows what you need to reflect for things to transform around you. I want you to leave with this. As we jump into this, 
as we get into this. There's going to be a tension here we see in these two verses. Is God this or that? Yes. When you look at all these characteristics together, the common thing you're going to see is this, that God is constant. God is stable. God is unchanging. He is faithful, as it says in here, from generation to generation. So he was just as faithful to the Israelites as he was to the rest of the people in the Old Testament, as he was to the people when Jesus was on earth, as he is to us today. And as we look at this, we're going to see how Jesus just opens this up more and more. You're going to be like, okay, I get it. That's what Jesus meant when he said. That's what Jesus meant when he was doing. That's what Jesus means when he does this in my life. If this excites you, if you're a Bible nerd, if you're a person that just wants to get into more of this, uh, there's a website called bibleproject.com.org.com, Bible Project. They have uh, YouTube videos, they have podcasts, you name it, but they have an 11-hour series on the characteristics of God. They'll go much deeper than what we can do in about 20 minutes each week. But if you allow God to change your focus, focus on him, this will be a knockout, banner, wonderful year for you. It will be challenging, just like last year. But you'll get through it with flying colors because God is good, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, abounding in love, steadfast, and he's just. Amen.